Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome back, Pods fans, to another episode of Ring the Bell Pods Talk. Nick Kreider here, joined as always by the three-time All-Star Heath Bell. We have some trade rumors. Um, we'll just some trade, rumors trade, trade. Yeah, Padres fans love to overreact when a superstar has rumors out there. Uh, we've done it with Jose Ramirez. We've done it with Max Scherzer. We've done it with Francisco Lindor. We've done it with Mookie Betts. Now, the new name on the market apparently is Washington Nationals outfielder Juan Soto, the 23-year-old superstar who would command probably our entire farm if we really realistically wanted to go after the guy who's got two and a half years of team control left. Heath, what do you think it would take to even get Juan Soto? Well, honestly, right now, if you needed all our prospects in the minor leagues, I would say yes. I wouldn't say anybody that's in the big leagues right now. I definitely would CJ. I'd hate to see him go, but send him away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, it's it's funny. Every year you, you hear about the big name guys. And, you know, our front office does these weird trades, this and that. Sometimes they spend money. Sometimes they don't. The mm-hmm. weird trades, they, they'll unleash everybody for like guys like Matt Kemp and Kimbrell and guys that are kind of over the hill opt-ins. But somebody that Soto, I actually think is a good, I, I wouldn't Padre fans. I wouldn't get your hopes up, but no, if you had to give up six of our top prospects for him, especially since he has two years left, do it. I would totally do it. Do it in a heartbeat. Cause if we could get a bat for the next two years, oh my gosh. And here's the other thing. He might want to stay. You never know. That's a possibility that Soto would want to stay in San Diego. Maybe he wants the top dollar. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it's one of those things that I think it would be, it would be good, exciting. And, and like I said, I would, if I was the GM for the Padres right now, I would try to go make a trade. And if I had to trade six of my top prospects, because think about it right now, Kenzie Gore is in the big leagues right now. You would keep you him out of the deal sign- though, right? You wouldn't want him what? in the deal. No, not, no. Like I said, anybody in the minor leagues. Okay. Not anybody in the big leagues. Right what about now. Grisham? 
or Cronenworth? No, I wouldn't want to do it. Grissom, maybe, but just because he's not producing, but I'm going to say I know, but I have a plethora of outfielders. So it's kind of like, yeah, Cronenworth, no, because I could see him being a Padre for a long period of time. Starting pitching, you don't really have a bunch of guys down there in the minor leagues, and they're all somewhat young. You just need to keep them in the big leagues right now. Mm-hmm. Bullpen's kind of the same way. The infield is very young. The outfield is fairly young. Give up your young guys. You Think about it. Who do you see on the Padres right now that are in the big leagues, not on the Padres in three years or in the next two years? I mean, they're just starters at this point right now. Like – you Darvish, Blake's. Um, I don't know if Blake is. is no, Blake's a free agent after yeah, this year. So, so you and Blake Snell, and then we need to resign Joe Musgrove. Musgrove, Clevenger. So, so but all, here's the thing: you can try pitching. to sign two of those guys to come back, and you have Gore that's in the bullpen now. So you can right. Gore moves into let's just say you Darvish's role, or you Darvish will come back because you know he's at the end of his career as the fifth rotation guy. So he doesn't. He's not going to cost a lot. Right. And we Snell get might, off the books as well. Yeah, Snell might, but it depends how he's doing. I mean, Clemenger, you, I would like to see him back too, but you have a lot of starters right now. You know, uh, Weathers, that could start. You could bring him if you don't, because I, I don't think he's a top prospect anymore because he's been in the big leagues. I think he could be a starter. So you you got some depth and starting role yeah. in the next couple of years. Infield, we're pretty much going to have the infield for the next couple of years. Right. Outfield's kind of like the same thing. You know, I mean, is Will Myers going to get traded? Is Profar going to be out there? Is Grissom going to be there? Most likely in the next two to three years. So I would go and Padres are playing really well. I mean, we did really well in Atlanta. We're doing well in Philly right now. And, you know, it's kind of like sell the farm to go win now, Mm -hmm. win this year and next year. Don't be waiting till the last minute. Don't be like, well, what are we doing? You know, because we said the farm, what was it, four years ago, five years ago for all these guys that were over the hill? We yeah. got rid of all those guys. Yeah. So why don't you sell the farm for a guy who's in his, not even in his prime, he's 23 years old. Exactly. That, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Right now, Washington might do a deal like that. Because yeah. you could say, look, I want to do a deal right now. I'll give you X, Y, and Z or my three top prospects, whoever it is, whatever you think the value is. And then make the Washington go, well, no, we kind of want to wait until the trade deadline. All right. Well, my offer is not going to be there. Right. You lose stock the closer you get to the trade deadline. Because now more teams will be interested. Go make a splash right now. That would be, I would give kudos and a check mark and a plus if the front office would do something in the next two weeks. I don't think it's going to happen. It will not happen. I, I think this, I think this is this is an overreaction Wednesday, overreaction <laughs> Thursday, Friday, overreaction the month of May on this trade. That it tends to happen every time. That's why I led with anytime there's a free or a superstar that's available or getting talked about for trade rumors, Padres fans always jump at it and we never end up landing that person. The only time it's actually really happened was Machado, but that was a free agent. Yeah, that was a free agent. You know, the only one I actually really, really thought it was gonna happen was um Scherzer, Mookie. no Mookie bets. Yeah, I didn't think Max Scherzer was coming. I there was, I just didn't think it was happening. I thought Mookie bets w- was a chance because Will Myers was here and Eric Cosmer was here, and it was kind of like 
Well, I mean, gosh, who, who doesn't love San Diego? If you're going to go to LA, you're going to go to San Diego, especially when San Diego's spending money. They have people the last, every year they went out and made a splash yep. and they have Tatis Jr. One of the hottest young guys in baseball today. Yep. You go out and get somebody like that. I mean, just think about if right now, if our, you know, Mookie Betts was our center fielder. I mean, we'd be kind of the team right now and the Dodgers would be kind of like, well, are the Dodgers just as good as the Padres or everybody would think we're the exact same. Right. Then, you know, the last couple of years we've missed on starting pitching. Well, go get starting pitching. And like I said, I like our catchers now, but honestly, every year it seems like you just like a different catcher because we don't have consistency right there. Yeah. So, I mean, and you're, you're, you're selling off guys for two years. It's hard to get a consistent catcher, though. It's hard to get. It's hard to get a good one. There's only a few good ones out there. Salvador Perez, Rio Muto, Molina. Even though he's probably 85 years old now, he's still pretty good. (laughs) Um, But it's just one of those things. Um, Catching is one of those hardest positions. But here's the thing: is catching, you kind of have to go. Do I want a great catcher or do I want a good hitter? You know, it's really hard. Even Mike Piazza was a great hitter. Catching was still kind of, even though he took pride and he tried his best, he wasn't the best catcher, but man, he could hit. And then he would surprise you catching sometimes Mm because, you know, he did work hard at it, but he would surprise you sometimes like, wow, you threw somebody out or, or whatever. But, you know, I can't, you know, anyway, I don't want to bag on a hall of famer because they're legit. They're better than I am. So even though I was on the hall of fame ballot, but I didn't get any votes. So no. At least I got put hey, on. on the ballot though. <laughs> I know that. I just think I have to tip. I have got to tip my horn for that because I've never been, I never thought even I would be on a ballot. So anyway, it was nice to see your name on there. Yeah. I, I framed it. It's on the, it's on the wall. So you framed the ballot. I love it. That's great. Why not? Yeah. I didn't even like vote myself. I just, well, actually I don't get a vote, but anyway, if I did, I would have voted myself. Yeah. I, I would have <laughs> probably too. wouldn't have voted myself. Cause I didn't, I mail it back in like I'm saving this sucker. Right. Um, so. But, but I, I think the issue allies with, okay, let's say Soto does come to San Diego and does want to resign and gets somewhere North of 350 million, maybe $400 million contract. Cause that's what he's going to command. That's the type of player he is. Okay. You don't have any money left to resign a Joe Musgrove or resign whoever you need to go resign for the pitching staff. Here's the thing. If you sign Soto to a three-year contract, then he's going to be a Padre for five years, pretty much the same time. Eric Cosmer is going to be there. Sometimes Machado is going to be there. The only one after that five years is pretty much Machado is going to be at the end of his, you know, years. Right. And you got to have Tatis. So right now the Padres right now have a two to five year window because Coneworth might want to become a free agent and try to get top dollar. Profar for whatever reason, you know, it, it's just all these guys might want to get top dollar mm-hmm. in when they become free agency, then you got to find, find a new hole. You got to find, you got to fill those holes and, right. you know, maybe all, maybe Musgrove wants top dollar. Maybe Snell wants top dollar. Maybe Clevenger. Clevenger wants top dollar. You don't know. So you, you have a two to five year window where you've got the nucleus, the core together, where you could sign right. these guys. Like, I'm pretty sure you get Coneworth and you say, Hey, let me sign you to a two-year extension from, you know, right yeah. now he might go, okay. 
Yeah. Or well, he's still, I, I still think a guy like like Cronenworth still needs to prove more to me because he had the shortened season in in the little bubble, the sixty game season. Yeah. He played well. He he finished second rookie of the year, and he was an all star last season. But this season, he hasn't been that great. And no, I and the but small here's the thing. Size. I understand that, so you can get him cheap. Exactly. So go look. I know he's going to work hard, but I'm not going to spend X amount over him. Right. If earn. I throw, if I throw 10 million for the next, you know, three years, right. make him earn the, the extra years. Yeah. And, and then because Evan Longoria, if you guys look back at Evan Longoria's contract with the Rays, he came up, he signed like a week later. Um, but it was something like eight years, $80 million. Most guys would be like $80 million. Why not? You yeah. know, but he had like four club options <laughs> at the end of his free agency where he was making 10 million a year or 12 million a year. And the other ones were basically, you know, organizational, you know, they weren't that much. So it, it, it was heavy on organizational where they didn't have the organization didn't have to pick up the last four years, you right. know, it, every each year he, they picked it up because they saw his worth and they built around him and they had chances. They went to the world series and then they had chances, this and that. And then at the end of his contract, what did they do? That was very, organizational bound, you know, cause he, if he went to the open market or waited, he probably would have got way more money than whatever it was. Then he, they went off to San Francisco. Yeah. So it was just one of those things is that, you know, learn from that, you know, sign somebody that you see, like we did it with Tatis, but you don't have to throw huge money. You could get, you know, like Mackenzie Gore, you could probably sign some like, Hey, we'll give you 30 million for the next seven years. Yeah. Well, he's under, he's under 10 years for a while. So, or, but whatever it is. Right. And then you, you know, just certain guys that you go like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I'm betting the bank on this guy. Yeah. And I think Gore is going to be around for a while. I think, um, Coneworth is going to be a guy that's going to be around for a while. He may not be the best second baseman or utility guy, but I think he's going to have, you know, a 10, um, year career, if not 15, um, so barring injuries, but it's one of those things that you gotta, you gotta roll the dice. Sometimes you just can't wait. But yeah. Are the Padres going to do anything? I would not bet on it. I wouldn't even put a half percent that it's actually going to happen because this front office does everything that I think they shouldn't do. Right. But you know, head scratchers, anyway. head scratchers, head scratchers. One of the head scratchers though, what we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, I mentioned Padres should go out and sign Cano and they end up doing it. And I mean, honestly, hasn't looked that bad. I mean, he's only played two games, but he was two for four in his second game. And seems like he really vibes with the team, good chemistry. So whatever, if it's, if it's that left-handed DH that we need every now and then, I'm all for it. And that's fine. And I'm, I'm it's just hard because when you played and somebody does steroids and they kind of cheat the system, it's kind of hard to, because like, well, why couldn't I have done it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned last episode, like 70% of the league was doing it. No, I know, but that was when I was first coming up and then they stopped doing it after the band, I would say 70% of the people were doing it. And then when they started getting in trouble, that's when guys stopped doing it and then people would get caught. And, but yeah, it was, it was kind of wild beforehand, but the thing is like now, I mean, you're losing a whole year and you can ban from baseball, but why do we still embrace them? And why do we still give them contracts and, and let them in? You know, yeah. and it's funny because the players are the only ones that I think are really against P 
PEDs and steroids, the owners and the fans, as long as it's for them, they don't really mind. Riddle me this. The NFL, you never see people get called PEDs. I mean, every now and then you see it. Every now, like DeAndre Hopkins just happened to, but normally you don't see it. And no. some of those guys are unnaturally big. Oh, yeah. It's funny how if you get in, in the NFL, somebody gets popped for PEDs and they get, what, six game suspension? Yep. But you bet on your team to win when you weren't even playing because you were hurt. You get a whole year suspension. A full year. Yeah. Calvin that, Ridley out for the entire season. For now, and I, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to bet on baseball and stuff like that, but you know, and I, and Pete Rose, is just a bad thing because he was, he was the manager and all that stuff that I will say on a side note, as soon as the day he passes, Pete Rose will probably be in the hall of fame or whatnot. They just don't want to give him the satisfaction. And right. I get it. I understand, but um, it's sad though. It is. It is sad, but the way he said, no, I never did it. And then said, yes, I did it. And wrote a book and, and that's how he's making money. Now it's kind of like, I understand why the players, the older generation said, no, we're not going to give him the satisfaction, even though he should be in here, but he did. Apparently if you give Pete Rose a Sharpie and a baseball, he will write anything you want on there. Well, yeah, he's just trying to make money. Literally. So, but anyway, he's in Vegas and nice guy. I've met him once, but yeah, it is what it is. But anyway, the Padres, you know, the Padres have been playing really well. What I would like to talk about, you know, is Ruben, their new pitching coach. The Padres starting rotation has 19 quality starts, best in baseball. And I think he's really gelled them together because, you know, you had um, Darren Balsley with me and then you had um, Ross Child. Um, great guy, great, you know, but pitching coach, he just didn't like mesh the guys together that Ruben has. I mean, you could see like the guys are going out there and somebody will have a complete game. And it's like the next guy wants to one up them. Yeah. It's like this five starters, even when Gore's there, it's almost like they're playing a game within each other. And I love watching TV and seeing all the starters hanging out and doing fun stuff together. Or you see on YouTube or you see them walk to the bullpen they're always a group and together they're family. And I love seeing that because I think that's what creates dynasties and that's what great, great teams. Yeah. You know, because you all, you play a game within each other where like, Oh yeah, I threw six innings. Oh, I'm gonna throw seven innings, you know, I'll beat you with less pitches, uh-huh. you know, and, and we'll never know these games that they play, but I'm guaranteed they're messing around with each other. And for sure, you know, um, you know, Clemenger go out there. I got a shutout and it was five zero. If Snell goes out there and goes, hey, I only threw a two-hitter, Clemenger's going to look at him, yeah, but you gave up a run. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, you guys had the same chemistry, though, in the bullpen back when you were there. I mean, I felt yeah. like like you guys were all best friends. I mean, you and Baby Yoda over there. Yeah. Baby Yoda, I got him right here, right next to me. He's hanging out. He's always, Yoda. By, my side. always by my side. But um, Were you the one that introduced the Yoda backpack to the bullpen? Yeah, it kind of came out that way. Nice. But it was, um, of course. and you know, the funny part, it didn't really get embraced until um, we were in Miami or the Florida Marlins at the time. And we were playing at the Miami Dolphins Stadium and we hung the backpack up because um, there was this little canopy and we just hung him up and it looked like he was hung, like, <laughs> he was, you know, a noose or whatnot, just because the tag was behind the neck and, and somebody said something like, man, you guys, like a, rep- a reporter is like, your bullpen is stellar. 
And I, I want to say it was Mike Adams. And cause he like, he went out there and struck the side out and I did my thing. And I think Joe Thatcher pitched before him and, and Mike was having a nice streak at the time or something like that, you know, of like, I don't know, 10 games. Or I think it was, he had like nine games where he didn't give up a hit. So it was like, he had a no hitter. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of joking with that. So he was getting the interview at that time. And, and he was like, I think he said it, I, I don't hold me to it, but I think Mike looked back and just goes, yeah, yo, uh, even Jedi's don't have a chance against our bullpen. <laughs> And, but somebody had a picture of, and they were like, is that why you hung Yoda in the bullpen? And then it just kind of became, that was our thing. That was kind of like, you know, we had it yeah. for a week before then and it just became our thing. And that's kind of, it stuck. That's hilarious. So, well, um, the bullpen this season for this current Padres team needs to have a little camaraderie like that. I feel like. Yeah. Ben out there, the, the bullpen coach, I think he needs to get a gimmick or something because, but here's my thing. If Bob Melvin could, I mean, he didn't do this early on. So I think that's why we're struggling a little bit in the bullpen. You didn't define roles. We didn't have a, a true seventh inning guy, a true eighth inning guy, a true mop up guy. We just kind of went with the hot hand. And I think that's kind of what um, we're struggling with right now. And you, it's hard to go, well, okay, you're going to be the eighth. Right. It, this far into the season, we're going to have to mold it into and try a few things. And then maybe in, two or three weeks, we can kind of, we can see what Melvin's doing and define this as your roles. Because if you're the seventh inning guy, or let's just say you're the sixth inning guy, that bridge from a starter going five to maybe heading over to the bullpen. Cause if he has a good quality start, I know it's five, but I really believe it's six innings. He's that guy that maybe gets a starter out of a jam to bring it over to the bullpen for the seven, eight, nine. Right. If the starter goes out there and it's a one, one game tie game, and he struggles in the six. He's up mentally, but the starter gets out of it. Then he knows mentally he's just relieved. Okay, my job's done. The seventh inning guy was mentally preparing himself. Okay, he gets out of this. I have the role. And the sixth inning mentally takes off and it doesn't go, well, am I going to go in next inning? No, that's so-and-so's job. So mentally, you, you kind of take a step back. And then that six inning guy, if you were one, one, and you still score is still one, one. And then you go in the extra inning, that six inning guy is the first guy to be like, dude, let me get the 10th inning. You know, if we're going to go extras, let me go. Well, do you think potentially that there was no roles defined because we had a shortened spring and maybe they were trying to find those roles just by audition, by trial for the first few games of the season? I mean, we're, we're, over a month and a half now into the season or about a month and a half into the season now. And it seems like the roles are starting to get a little more clear, but it also you seems should. like some guys are taking a little bit more, more power in the bullpen. Like Nabil Krismat is getting more high leverage opportunities now because he's pitching really well. I think you're just going with the hot hand. I think in the, out of the bullpen out of spring training, you should have kind of defined the roles. Now we could have had an eighth inning guy that just didn't have it after two outings. And then we move the seventh inning guy to the eighth inning and the eighth inning, maybe we push him down to the sixth inning because he just didn't have it. That does happen, but we had a shortened spring training. I'm not going to blame it on that because they should have been ready for that. The brewers are ready for everyone had the same amount of spring training, you know, and the brewers. And that's the thing is, I just think they forgot about the bullpen because they were so worried about starting pitching that they were just going to think, I mean, gosh, we traded for a closer the last day. Mm-hmm. And so he, they really went great. 
Well, really quickly, our hearts go out to Chris Paddock. He just suffered Tommy John again. Ow. I didn't know yep. that. Yep. It's his third Tommy John surgery. Wow. That's uh so that's, I hate to say, it, I mean, it, it is. I hate to say it. Trades that ends up working out for the Padres, but you know, I hate to see that from former Padre player. Uh exactly. And Chris is a good guy. And um this actually might be a good thing for the Padres because we usually never trades never work out for the Padres. So maybe it's changing now and and this might be our year. That would be yep. that would be pretty fun. Yep. That started with Fernando Rodney getting traded to Miami midseason for Chris Paddock and Chris Paddock and shipped to Minnesota for Taylor Rogers. Yeah. So Taylor Rogers has been great for us. I just, you know, I think Taylor Rogers will be fine. I love, I love the way he pitches uh, yep. his demeanor and everything, but I just, we just need to find the roles. Now, if it takes us a little bit later to find the roles and maybe in the next two or three weeks, we see that, I think we'll be so much of a better team when that comes to fruition, but it's, it's what it is. I, you know, right now we're sitting, what, 23 and 13. We're what a game or two back. And I actually like this because I like being the second place team. I want to be the second place team, just like one or two games back. Yeah. Keep them hungry until September. That's really what I would love. And then us to take over because everybody is trying to get the guy on top. Well, the fact that we're a second place team without our best player right now is awesome. We're only a half game out first place and, and Tatis isn't in the lineup. And also to mention, you know, our bullpen's not at full health. You know, you got Pomerantz that's supposed to be coming back. Yeah. Own, Baez, those guys are Luis Castillo. Those are all guys that are supposed to return and be staples in our bullpen. No, I, I, I get it. I mean, Tatis, when he comes back, it's like us going and getting Soto. It's going to yep. be like a trade, you know, big name Game trade changer. or whatnot. So I'm, a, I'm liking the situation. I'm just trying to fine tune everything and, and true Padre fans know that we just need to hit better than 200. If yeah. everybody on our team could hit higher than 200, and I'm not asking 250, I'm just asking 200. Just 200. We'd probably be like kicking the Dodgers' butts right now. We'd probably be, you know, right now, what are we, 10 games over 500? We'd probably be like 15. Yeah, no, I agree. Because there's a lot of guys. <laughs> and in we that still don't even have Tatis and half our bullpen. A lot of guys in that lineup hitting 150, 170, 180. It's just not cutting it. So, but I mean, the, the future looks very bright for the Padres right now. I mean, starting pitching is finally showing up. What do you make of the piggyback, right? Cause you mentioned that you don't want to move go to the bullpen, but they did, do, like they did do the Clevenger five innings, Gore three innings and Taylor Roger closed out and ended up working. I mean, it was a shutout, but it's not sustainable. I don't like piggybacks. I don't, I mean, if Gore is going to be our long guy, you know, to be in there and pitch him three innings at a time. Okay. The Cardinals have done that with certain guys where he was in the bullpen for the first year they were in the big leagues. And then the next year they were starters like Wainwright did that. And does that um, tinker with his development though? uh, It just depends on the mental guy, you know, mentally bullpen is different. You've asked any starter and any reliever bullpen is different mentally than you are as a starter starter. You pitch, you have that bullpen in between starts, you know, when you're going to pitch, you can work out when you need to work out in the bullpen. You need to be ready for every single night. I right. mean, I know nowadays there's, they're getting away from closers and they're getting away from going two nights in a row because, you know, they're saying a taxing on your arm and all that, but true relievers that I think we're going to, we're slowly going back to in the next couple of years, they pitch nonstop. If they can go three days in a row, they're going three days in a row. 
to get one day off here or there, or when you, when they need you, you're going to say, yes, I'm ready to go. So I'm not big on the piggybacks because here's the thing. What if Gore doesn't have it? Does he supposed to go keep pitching three innings every right. time? Right. You know? So that's the thing is if you're, if you're developing Gore and he's going to follow Clemenger or follow somebody every fifth day, then what if the situation arise and our seventh inning guy is supposed to pitch, but it's Gore's day to pitch. Now what? Now the situation doesn't tell you when to pitch. Now it's penciled in or penned in. This guy's going to be the next pitcher. So now you're not really trying to win the game and put the best people out there. You're just, well, I told mommy and daddy that he was going to play in the sixth inning. So so I got to put him in there. You can't do that. Bullpen is about what situation, who's to get the best guy out. It's, it's not sustainable. Um, I think they're doing this mainly because they want to ease Clevenger back. They don't want to give him a full, you know, 90 pitch game, hundred pitch game. Same thing with Blake Snell, who just making his first start in Philly, but eventually you're going to have to change it up a little bit and define who's your five man rotation, maybe a six man rotation. And then who's going the bullpen permanently. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, that's that's the manager's job. I hope. I, let me put it this way: I hope that's the manager's job and not the front office job. Right. So, because if it's the front office job, that's a non-baseball guy. Yep. I don't care who you are. If you did not play this game, you're a non-baseball guy, and you're making decisions a for money, and then b for the actual baseball team. Right. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I, I hate there's not one GM that does not think I make a decision financially before I make it, you know, they, they're all, it's all financial before I make it for the baseball team to win. It, it just is what it is because at the end of the day, baseball is a business, but it is a game. So it's that fine line in between. It really is. Mm-hmm. Bob Melvin was a catcher is in his career. Why, why do catchers make the best managers? Cause is because catchers, have to know all the plays. They have to deal with the starter. They have to deal with bullpen guys. What pitch does the starter like getting the guys out? What bullpen guy, because you're usually going to have three of them per game, if not four, what do they like getting guys out? So you got to know all that. You got to know the situation. Usually catchers are not big time power guys. So they're about moving guys over, knowing the situation, when to bunt, when to hit the ball to the right side, when to pull it, when to hit the ball to the outfield. They see hitters do all that, like, cause they're, they're catching. Okay. The hitter's trying to do this in this situation, hit the ball to the right side. So we're going to try to jam him. They have to know all those situations. If you're an outfielder, you kind of know the situation, but your job doesn't dictate the situation because you could shade over, but if the pitcher doesn't execute his pitch, then it's going over where it wasn't supposed to go. So you can't right. just go, oh, I'm going to move all the way full, you know, full right. Cause he's going to go there and then he pulls the ball or whatnot. So that's why catchers are very intelligent guys. So they have to know the game, the strategy of the hitters, the pitchers, what everything is going on. But I would also like to say, and their pitchers have been known to be bad managers for whatever reason, but I would love to be one, the one of the first reliever managers, but the bullpen does everything the catcher does, except for we don't squat and watch it. We're in the outfield talking about the game the whole time. Like what we got to be pitching in because they're going to do this because we always come in with the game on the line, knowing how, okay, who's going to be stealing here. 
this guy's going to, going to try to go move the guy over or try to pull the ball, or we got to get a strikeout. Cause there's only the game's tied. There's a guy in third. We got to get a strikeout because this batter, all he's trying to do is just, you know, hit a fly ball to get him in. So I think bullpen pitchers uh, would be good managers too, but that's the reason catchers are good managers because has, they have to know the whole game. Has there never been a bullpen pitcher that became a manager? Not that I know of. Hmm. And because I think pitchers have the MO of not being good managers. A lot of pitchers in the past, I think Bud Black's one of the few that was a pitcher that actually is a pretty good manager. It's usually starters and starters are sitting in the dugout, always talking to the coaches and strategizing, but they're never in it when like, and forgive me for saying this, but they're never in it when the game really matters. Right. I always say the first five innings, the game matters, but it really matters the last four innings. Right. It really does. Cause it's like the game's almost over. You know, it's like playing the fourth quarter. Somebody could play the first three quarters and be like, I got you a lead. Now you finish it. You know, I'm going to bring up like the chargers when they were in San Diego, they used to, they first half, they would always be winning. Then the second half they played not to lose and they always lost, but they were very aggressive the first half. And the second half, they were just like, okay, we're up. Let's not lose the lead. And they would, well, the first half, you didn't play to lose. You played to win, figure it out. But, you know, they have different coaches and different managers now. So got to get rid of the, the owner, but that's, that's an NFL. Yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The chargers are, are actually, it, it's sad to see them perform so well in Los Angeles because I mean, this seems well, like they're still not getting the fan base. They're not, but it, it just seems like the team that's actually going to get it done at some point. Herbert is unreal. They've got a great electric offense. Their defense they just put together this this year has been off the charts. So I still don't like them, but it's still fun to watch. For sure, fun to watch. It's just I just don't like the best. Owners, so I don't best, want to give them any credit. Some of the best uniforms in all sports too. Yeah, it's not too bad. Easy not on the bad. eyes. Easy on the eyes. Well, also <laughs> easy on the eyes is the Padres' record right now. Let's hope that it continues to progress in this road trip. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. We'll have more Padres content for you. Ring the bell, Pods talk. Heath Bell, Nick Kreider, go Pods. See you later, go Pods. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.